Did you hear that they're remaking The Odd Couple? No, I did not hear that they're remaking (laughs) The Odd Couple. Picture this. Sicily. 1784. No, picture this. Fred Ward, Joel Grey, on an adventure. How old do you think Sophia from the Golden Girls is? Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And in this case, this was a heavily hyped 80s movie of my childhood that Allie in no way remembered. I'd never even heard of it. This is 1985's Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, also released as Remo, Unarmed and Dangerous. Ooh. Although I've never seen that uh, ever before. Directed by Guy Hamilton uh, and based on the Destroyer series of uh, pulp novels by Warren Murphy and Richard Sapir. Or sapper, mm. or sapper, or something. Sapper. Uh, uh, so yeah, this was a yeah, this was a uh, an interesting uh, little bit of uh, excitement for me to go back to because I hadn't seen it since I, I saw it a lot on HBO circa 1986, mm-hmm. like a lot. <laughs> and but I had not uh, seen it since. And yes, I did not even realize that the guy Hamilton who directed this movie is also the same guy Hamilton who directed Goldfinger. As well as like three other uh, James Bond movies. I think it was uh, Live and Let Die, Diamonds Are Forever, and The Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was that was an interesting thing to learn because, and that, that could explain. I would explain... like to just point out that, like, when John realized that he was reading the Wikipedia, he was standing, I was holding our baby, and he was standing um, by the gate, and all of a sudden, this the gasp that came out of his mouth was so loud. Because it makes. I thought something happened. It to makes you. so much sense because this movie. Despite being kind of like weirdly crappy, mm-hmm. is also like you know, like it's it's competently made in a way that I I kind of wasn't expecting from memory. Right. Like I like, and I think the problem is I remember this movie as being like this B movie. Right. When it wasn't, it was just a flopped A movie. It's an A movie that flopped. You know. Well, A. I don't know if I would go as far as to call it an. Well, I mean, a in the Hollywood system since it was like this was a this was an attempt to start a real franchise. Yeah, okay. You know, this wasn't like this wasn't like a this spoiler wasn't a, alert didn't work. Yeah, this wasn't a <laughs> this wasn't like canon films just going, hey, arm wrestling is really cool right now right. and trendy, and all the bars have those <laughs> special arm wrestling tables. So let's so let's, so let's do over the top. Is that what you're yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I'm specifically <laughs> referencing over the top. Our very first episode from way back in the dark oh, days of late Lord. 2014. Mike. God. Uh, but yes. Um, hey, Jordan. How you doing? Yeah, we're, I was going to say. We're doing we, a podcast, but we, we, have to, we're we gonna, might want to uh, introduce Jordan because yeah. he's probably going to start making yeah. some sounds. Yeah, Sparky, Sparky's asleep right now. He's still. Don't worry. We still. We sort of still have Sparky. He's sort very of. old and very sleepy. Uh, but, uh, but, but we have a new, but, a new, uh, since, a new guest since, to the podcast. Yes, yeah, Jordan. So if you hear some some coos and some screams, that's probably me. But if you hear some quieter coos and some shriller screams, that's Allie. And then like, if you if hear like a specific s- kind of baby sounding coo and maybe a, you know, a, a hungry cry. Sucking sounds. Well, that's also me. Yes. But, um, that might be Jordan. 
Might uh, might be. Right, might be. Yeah. So uh, so he's he's in the room. He's awake. He's in a great mood now. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we normally start these things with uh, the elevator pitch, and since I had have no idea what mine is, I'm going to throw you under the proverbial bus, oh, which is going to be pushing you off a bridge. Oh, well done, well done. Okay, 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 okay. Picture it. Picture it. Sicily's. No. The guy. The guy. From Unbearable Lightness of Being. Matched up, partnering with the judge from A Few Good Men, partnering with Diabetes. Diabetes, yes. By the way, I don't know that he's in the unbearable lightness of being. Fred Ward? <laughs> yeah, he's it not. It's, uh, what, what year did that come out? Oh, I don't know, the 80s. Because uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not listed on his Wikipedia filmography. Well, maybe it's not him. <laughs> I'm making that up. Maybe you're thinking of Burt Ward? No. I'm, Burt Young? I think I saw the unbearable lightness Young Frankenstein? of being, being at the same, the same time that I saw the movie that he was in where he plays Anais Nin's. Maybe I'm forgetting it. Are you? Are you? Are you sure? I uh, might have been high. He was in Silkwood. No. Did you think it's uh, Swing Shift? No. I know you haven't seen the right stuff. No. Uh, Henry and June. Henry and June. He was Henry Miller. I love that. You were the best in the world I'm because amazing. you just referred to Henry Miller as Anais Nin's lover. That is awesome. <laughs> That is so awesome. Like, I'm not even joking. That's so rad. I saw this movie's back to back. Kind of like the way that Poet Laureate Ted Hughes is now known to history as Sylvia Plath's awful husband who's a dick. I I think that's glorious. Like, it's glorious. (laughs) By the way, I've seen Henry in June. I didn't even realize that was him until, like, my God. Yeah, it's him. Anyway, okay, so let's do that. I really like Fred Ward, by the way. He's 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 likable. I don't know what, there's something about him that's just likable. He's likable. Okay, so let me me back up. So so the dude from Henry in June. Yeah, let's say. (laughs) The judge from A Few Good Men. And Uh, and and someone from, like, like Water for Chocolate in this? (laughs) If we're going to name, like, you know, critically acclaimed movies of the late 80s, early 90s. uh, What is it? Um, The Cook, the Thief, the Wife, and His Lover. Yeah. I was Raul, but I don't think that was critically acclaimed. <laughs> Frankenhooker. Um, yeah, and 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 my derner with Andre. No, I'm just kidding. My derner with Andre. My derner with Andre. My derner with Andre is the Oktoberfest uh, drag version of that movie. <laughs> um, and it has Andre the Giant in it. They all team up to fix the world, and then they're joined by Red. Yeah. From Orange is the New Black. I had to pull that one out of my ass. I oh, my God. There. Yeah, I would have called her Janeway, but that's 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 where I know her. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, How about that for a movie? That's, I, you know what? I lost track of what we were talking about five <laughs> minutes ago. All right. Oh, uh, and I Joel guess, Gray flies in every once in a while oh, to, like, boy, does he out. ever. Um, you got to give me. Uh, you I'm want, sorry, you sorry, sorry. Mine? sorry, sorry, sorry. You want sorry, me to Yes, yes, yes. All I'm right, on my, an elevator now. I would all like right, your my pitch. elevator pitch. Gus Grissom faked his death and is now James Bond. I'm doing um I'm doing uh my own theme music uh like um like Kronk would in Emperor's the New Groove. Oh uh, okay. It just that seems like a, a very not suitable for I feel like your theme music would be like some sort of weepy piano ballad sung by Elton John. You're giving me a dirty look, but you love Elton John and, and you love the piano. Not in my adventure. See where whereas mine is entirely Waka Jawaka guitar. Yes, it is. 
tell dun, dun, dun. tell the people tell the people dun, dun. tell our listeners the funny thing that you said about uh, or that you read or tell them the funny tell thing tell them is... the funny thing oh my goodness no. I'm so glad I'm so glad you've become an, <laughs> an old Jewish retiree in Tampa give me the give for tell me the, me, tell tell me me the, the funny joke. story you tell, told me the one me time tell me the joke you told what, me what joke thing, did I tell you the thing you? about how when women sing and when men sing and what's the difference oh yeah let me okay here's an old 80s women be different than men stand up yeah, joke it's one yeah. of the few women be different for men jokes that I feel like my real life has actually been <laughs> I don't remember who did it and I'm totally lifting it so I I'm sorry, but Allie just put me on the spot. I did. I'm sorry. Uh, it was the like like the difference between women and men when they sing along. Generally speaking, women will will sing the words to a song. Like if, a, if you ask a woman to sing "Purple Haze" by Jimi Hendrix, it's gonna be they're gonna be like "Purple Haze going through my brain." Whereas you ask a guy to sing it, it's gonna be but here's why this is funny. <laughs> but but here but but let me tell you why. Because because I want to say maybe not 10 minutes later we were sitting with our son who's five and a half who basically speaks in song. Right. Like this is how he communicates. And yeah, he's like Retgar from the uh from the Transformers animated movie except not commercial phrases. So, pop music. Yeah, pop music. And so and, of the 70s. And <laughs> He was singing something, and we were like, oh, Jackson, will you sing? I think it was Ziggy at that point. We were singing. Yeah, he was singing Ziggy Stars. Yeah, and he, and, he, and, he, and he does the... Yeah. Where were the spiders? Dun, 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 dun. It was so funny. And Although was he like, did pick that up from me. Yeah, so, but at the end, he, at the end, he does it too. He does the, all of the... Yeah, and he goes, he goes all the way through it further than you do. Yeah, oh yeah, he keeps going. Like So, uh, yeah, I think it's actually pretty accurate. So, movie. We did a, we watched a movie this uh this this uh, this do, time around. Do, 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 do y'all like how he tried to put us back on track? I thought that was good of you. Well, good yeah, job. I, well, I, I uh, tangents have a life and then, and then they end and then they die. <laughs> is that what you're saying? They die just like the late Dick Clark it's who true, executive though. produced this movie I that will, we're watching. I will say that that it wow, is Wow, I tried to segue. That it's true. No, I'm 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 on your segue. I'm actually I'm I'm yes. Two people day. should not fit on a segue. It's very dangerous. <laughs> um we we actually took a lot of notes in this movie because it's actually longer than it. Oh my god, this be. movie is longer it's than Berlin long. Alexander Platz. Yeah, it's I, really too long. I will, you know, like spoiler alert. I'm mostly a fan of this movie, but it could have gotten some cuts. I mean, it's like, a bit long. Well, here's the other thing: it could have gotten some cuts, and then it could have like been more clear at the end. It sort of was like they were like, all right, we gotta wrap this shit up and they like yeah. they like didn't tie it together with a nice bow. They were yeah. like, here's some string, just fucking go. Yeah. Oh apparently <laughs> the ending oh by the way, apparently the ending of this movie like was massively cut due to budgetary constraints. I mean, that's, that's why like the the it, why the end of the movie for some reason like It doesn't feel is, like an is, end. It's a small it's a it's a smaller ending than the set piece in the middle. Yes. To the point where like I was remembering the set piece in the middle of the movie as the climax of the well, movie. Well that makes sense. You'd think that would be the climax of the movie. You would. And when you see that movie and you realize you're only halfway through and you're in that set piece, you're so expecting like the Something end to be enormous. like, oh my God, like the set piece in the middle is so crazy. You've got to be off the chain at the end. But the end, they're like, no, we're, we're pretty good on this the, chain. We'll the, stay right on this chain. At the end, basically, they went up to our house and they were locking and they basically did the rest of it. Yeah, they, they, yeah, like, they, they shot it. They went up like a tiny little lake. Interlocking is a lakefront thing. That's so, so, for the, so that anyone not us. Oh, you see, yeah, he's sad because he, we had to explain the reference. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. You can you can live your life. Okay, so, so uh, right, going back. Right, going anyway, back. so anyway, we open up in this movie in, uh, in it's 1985 New York. But I got to tell you, like a lot of this movie feels like... Feels like 70s New York. I know. I don't like 70s New York either, buddy. 
I love 70s New York. It's very interesting. If you bring I'm me... Baby. I'm going to hold you... this baby. Okay. And so anyway, we open up. It's 1970s New York. Yes. And... Well, 80s New York. Here. But it's... Hold on. But uh, we've got 1970s looking Fred Ward with... Uh, he's, he looks like he's doing Ditka cosplay. And I, 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 I want to be very clear for lines coming up later in this movie that the... That... His face is identical to his regular Fred Ward face, with, except for the addition of a, a mustache. Enormous mustache. Yeah, a big, droopy, bushy mustache. So, um, yeah, we begin with him. He's, he's, he's obviously, he's a cop on a, like, I guess he's on a stakeout, although he is still in his cop clothes. Yeah. Like, it, like it's a kind of a crappy stakeout, because you can tell, hey, there's a cop in that car. Like, he's sitting, he's My drinking, My thought like, is that maybe it's his beat, and he's just yeah, he hanging might just be. out. Yeah, he's like, he's in his cop car, he's got, he's drinking coffee out of a styrofoam cup that he stuffs into the, uh, to the, 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 the hula, hula skirt of the, of the stuffed what pig. What looks like a Miss Piggy. Yeah, it looks like a, like, well, it looks like a, it looks like Miss Pergy, the, uh, the one you would buy, like. <laughs> Like off model yeah, in like a Chinatown is. store, exactly you know, or something. Like. And it's, it's wearing uh, a Jets, uh, a Jets, Jets jersey. So you know he's in New York. And then like suddenly we're kind of in the middle of like a Nolan Batman movie because we're like we're like running around. Like he sees uh, some some perps chasing another perp, I guess. Yeah. You know, like these uh, two white guys are actually chasing a, like a black guy um, down the street, and he run, like he runs out to stop them. You know, and like. Like I, I swear to God, it was like I, I we could have been watching the like the Netflix Daredevil because it was kind of like it looked yeah. like Turk getting like turned on by his uh, by his people, and uh, so he uh, he starts uh, yeah these made for TV punks are beating him up. Yes. Uh, you know, like they well made for movies. Like I love I love mid eighties uh, like punks in movies. Like you know they're like jean jackets and mullets and it, like it, it, it fantastic stuff. Um, at one point, uh, like I, I love this movie. By the way, I want to be very clear: the action dialogue in this movie is amazing. Like when he he first grabs one of those guys, he like throws it, tells him to suck wall, suck wall. <laughs> throws him against the wall. But then he's betrayed by Not Turk and hit in the back of the head. What yeah, I wrong, know buddy? betrayal is 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 a bad thing. I don't know what your problem is, bud. Yeah, that's his problem, honey. Uh. Um, yeah. By the way, by the way, this isn't for you. I, eyes up top. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I wrote here. Alex feeding him. I don't. I don't, I don't care what, did I what you write wrote here. here. Two to what? Two to word. Two to word. Two to word. <laughs> you know what? It's probably it's probably not important since we're already past that point. Um, so, and, and by the way, like like any great action movie of the eighties, every punch is foleyed. Oh, to hell. yeah. Like if you think the meat slammers from uh, from uh, over the top were loud. Speaking of over the top again, uh, it, it is. Like it is just a punishingly loud foley every punch. Like it is like like a side of beef slapping into a slapping into a steel wall. It's amazing, um, and also like this whole thing does kind of feel a lot like the Netflix Punisher. Now that I think about it, instead of uh, Daredevil, because throughout like this movie, like yeah, j- like. He is the John Bernthal of the 80s. Yeah, like, he really is. If there had been an 80s Punisher movie, I would have put Fred Ward in that part in a minute. And so anyway, he beats these guys up. He's betrayed by, anyway, like the, the crying distracted me. But uh, yeah, the, the guy who's getting beaten up turns on him and hits him with a board in the back of the head. And they're like, yeah, Johnny or Joey or whatever it is. And, like it turns out like, oh, you know. Oh, you get a good nut shot in that fight yep. too. Like some good, there's some good brutal some fighting white in this dude movie. Fighting. There's some good white kung fu in this movie. And... uh but then he's attacked by the by, by the AC like the Turnbull ACs uh, from the Warriors because out of nowhere this bus like pushes after he gets back into his car 
pushes his car into the water. Like, and, you know, and you see him floating it like he's submerged in the water. Poor Miss Piggy is drowning. She's floating. Miss Peggy, Pergy is Miss drowning. Um, and then you see, like, divers show up. And then it's it so cuts. so strange. And then it cuts. You know. I actually and, wrote, bye-bye, Fred. Yeah, you thought he was gone. I did. I, I couldn't have, though, he, I knew he was the lead of the movie. So I knew that something yeah. had to come from him. But, um, like, and then, you, and then you, you see you're at the funeral of Samuel Edward Macon, or, or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, is that what the, I didn't Ma- even, yeah, yeah, like, I, and, uh. You know, like you, you see this funeral for this cop, and everyone's you know, like, there's all these like stuffy looking, like you know, middle aged white guy character actors who are very sad that this cop has died, and you know, it cuts to like the funeral, and you see like a, a mysterious man in the background, and then you jump to a crazy perspective shot of like a nurse, like a like a middle aged nurse, like looking pretty much right at the camera after Fred Ward wakes up. In a hospital with yes. like shaving cream on his face and no mustache, and she's like, "I'm shaving you." Yeah, it's the, <laughs> like, right I was the like, is, "Did Louise Fletcher make a cameo?" I know it was crazy. Like, yeah, it was like a nurse ratchet thing. And then you get like, you, you, like the best part is she says, "I'm saving you," and then. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah, like you know, like well, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, like he looks in a mirror and he's like, like we had to, like we had to, like we had to work on you. He's like, we fixed your face. We fixed. Well, well, first of all, they 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 changed it, and he looks at his. He he literally picks up the blanket and looks at his his groin. Well, I was gonna say groin because we have a baby right here, but and 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 they're like just your face. (laughs) You're like it's so crazy. And the thing is, this is the thing. He's like, what have you done to my face? They have literally just. Shaved they his shaved his mouth. There's no other difference. They did it. not like they cut his hair shorter. Like he he yeah. had like greased back long like like mullety longer hair. And they you know, shaved and his like, mustache. Like and they sha- they shaved his mustache and cut his hair a little. I shorter. mean, you would think that at that point they could have done something like face off. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like maybe either a different actor yeah. or some actual prosthetics something. on his face. Just something. Like give him like a like a big like a bigger I mean, nose that, that they nose job smaller. That or... would be the reason why you might have thought this was a B movie because yeah. that it was, was a so real. Schlocky. It was a real cheap like like. So anyway, so the guy that's talking to him is McClary. Well, he comes in now. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah there's a guy named McClary, and he is basically and. And he tells him he like he, he that Samuel uh, Edward Macon no longer exists. That now he is uh, that his new name, and he looks at a bedpan and says, "Your new name is Remo Williams." Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is apparently the ma- it was like the manufacturer of Williams bedpan and from like Remo, some Pennsylvania or yeah, something like that. Remo somewhere. So this is where he learns he's been recruited by a secret society. Can we just stop for a second? I do like the name Remo Williams. I it's think a good he, name. Did, he did a good job with that. Yeah, I mean Samuel Edward Macon's not a great name. No, it's a terrible name. You know, like uh, Remo Williams is definitely a a vastly superior name. Yeah. Maybe. And so McClary is a guy that Allie spent most of the movie going, "Who are you?" And he was uh like he had a, he was like the principal from something. <laughs> He was he was the judge from Oh no, he was good the men. judge from a few good men. That's what it was. I'm kind of obsessed with that movie, so yeah, so yeah. and you shouldn't be. Um so anyway, he's basically told we were part of a secret service, like a secret world organization that battles evil, and you have to join, or basically you're get, well, we already have a grave, you know, for yeah. you. So um and he tells like and, and McClary, by the way, has some of the best lines in the movie. Some oh, of them yeah. like the like like he tells him you're going to be the eleventh commandment. Thou shalt not get away with it. And so like the whole point of this organization, which is called Cure, is that they go around and they like they were created by a, a president many years ago. They work directly for the president. It doesn't matter which com- which which party. And that you are they are designed to like they they take out the threats 
that are getting away with it. So, like the ones who are like legally able to do what they do but are awful. So so I want to just, I want to pause here because I think it's important to note this for the maybe two Legion of fan that watch, that, that watch this, that listen to us, that um, might know this reference. So I want to throw it out there for them. Um, for my Scandal fans, my Shonda's, out, my Shonda Rhimes, Shondaland people out there, um, dude, it's B613. No joke. Like, okay. I don't know if she got and this the, idea from And there. for the rest of you, it's any spy organization. <laughs> like literally any spy organization. So um, oh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a dirty look from from Shonda Shonda fan number one over here. That's right, you are. All the Johns in Shonda Land did not. Um, na- uh, so did you so, talk about the National Bank of the U.S.? No, we're, we're not even there yet. Oh, okay. We are way not even there. Okay. So anyway, like he's he's all angry. He decides to break out of the hospital. Uh, you know, like Remo it has decided to break out of the hospital. He sneaks away. He steals an ambulance from Reginald Vell Johnson. And yes, it yes. really is Reginald Vell Johnson. I'm just not With just his saying. One line. Like this is this is like a few years before Die Hard. It's yeah. like he's still like he's still definitely an under five plugging away actor right now. Shout out to our Brooklyn Nine Nine folk. Yeah, and uh, you know, or our Family Matters folk, or our Die Hard folk, yeah. or, or like our. Well, that folk. was the whole, that was the reason because of the. I, I, die I'm aware. Hard I'm aware. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that Reginald Bell Johnson are, is famous are, in his own are, right. Are, I know that. Why do you? Why are you judging? The I'm not. Reginald you're Bell judging. Johnson's career. I like, like who based on a bitch. single cameo in one episode. No, of no, Brooklyn it wasn't Nine-Nine. about that. It was about the fact that he gets talked about a lot. In oh, Brooklyn okay. Nine-Nine. All right. We enjoy that well, show. Right, and uh, now that I've explained it, so to anyway, you. yeah. Now that you, if you were concerned about the podcast running too long, definitely the way to do it is to throw is to throw a brick under my brake so I can't press it, uh, or throw a brake under my. Oh, forget it. Um, anyway, uh, he steals an ambulance, but McCleary's waiting in the ambulance with a gun to his face, and he takes him to the first the the National Bank of the United States or something like that. Yes. National Bank of the USA. Yeah, of the USA. They go in there and they're kind of, it's kind of a get smart thing except for going down they go up and they go into the office of the Brim himself, oh. Wilford Brimley. He's there. Came Wilford from, Brimley is playing Harold Smith. Yeah. He came, came back, back from, from Cocoon. cocoon. Yeah. 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 That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, Wilford Brimley, a man who at this point is probably only about 8 or 9 years older than we are now, Which but look like but look like he was pushing 70. Looks like he's everybody's grandfather. Wilford Brimley was born 65. He really was. And he's you know, you know he used to be uh, he used to be a bodyguard in Hollywood before really? he was an actor. Yeah. That's why his acting career started so late. He, okay. I think he might have been one of Elvis's bodyguards we, briefly, but he definitely was a bodyguard for a while. Can we have a moment because I got to just say this. Now that you just said Well, Red that, West is what I'm thinking of that was Elvis's bodyguard. Can, can, can I say this? So Will, so Wilford Brimley's essence, like who he is, like what he projects, reminds me of Jonathan Banks as Mike uh, yeah, kind of does. He's got that same feel. That totally makes sense to me. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. that connection just like, whoop, yeah. that yeah, was we're, a beautiful Wilford Brimley, creepy old conservative Wisconsin rancher, basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, this Not is where we learn. He's very avuncular in this movie. He's really not is. the mean old no. Wilford Brimley of other things. He's... You know, he's just telling him that, you know, I answered to the president. I have lost track of how many. I haven't even voted. You know, like he, right. like his politics are, like, irrelevant. It's just threats to the United States is what he deals with. And, like, and again, this is where I think I know, where I first started noticing this movie, like, for large chunks of the first half of this movie feels incredibly 70s. Up until the big set piece in the middle. I and, agree. Then, and then it feels 80s for the rest of the movie. Yes. But, like, everything in this like movie is earth tones. Yeah. Everything in this movie is earth tones and really gritty. You know, and like every in this in this office, and, and except for he has a computer with essentially the internet, like this is computers connected to every other computer in the world. Y'all, it's an Apple IIe. 
Oh yeah, no it's totally joke. it's totally an Apple IIe, and like he uses it to like do some amazing '80s computer effects where he links into everywhere in the wor- world with a computer and spies on things. It's kind of which amazing. is pretty prescient, you know. Yeah. Like it's very it's very like war games, but more so, you know. And so he's basically like you know like it's pretty much made clear you you're going to do this whether you want to or not. He was picked because he has no family. No he has real military close, training. No close friends. He's got military training. He's a really, you know, he's a really good cop. You know, like he's obviously honest, you know. So they're like, you're the guy, you know. But he's also apparently, you know, not afraid to do what he needs to do. So they send him out on his first mission. And it's supposed to be an in and out mission. And just... Can I literally say the line that McClary says? Because yeah. I wrote it down. McClary says to him, he hands him a gun and he says, remember, in and out. Like a duck mating. I'm so glad. I, I wrote that down too, but I was like, yeah. So um, so anyway. Like a duck mating. Well, I mean, it's, well, you know, well, especially since you know, what we know about ducks and the way they mate. They certainly don't in and out. Well, no, not with those penises. No. Nope. Google duck penis if you're really feeling like an exciting image search. Um, Just don't do it at work. Don't do it at work if you work in a, if you work in a place that really loves terrifying penises. <laughs> Um, and then and then look up the echidna penis while you're at while you're at it. Um, so um, penis, this, penis, this penis. is penis talk. <laughs> this is penis Welcome talk back with to penis, John and Alex. A show within a show in which we talk about the penises we've seen. Um, anyway, <laughs> or the ones that have been sent to me unsolicited. <laughs> look, the way you were dressed, you were asking for me to send them. They weren't mine. No, they weren't. I found you them. Found them. I know. All right. So anyway. Um, and so, then, and then we come. They, so he goes into. He breaks in this place. He's supposed to run, go in, kill this dude who's real awful. And like, like he's told, don't talk, don't, don't give him a second. Don't even, don't let him talk to you. Don't do anything. Don't whatever. You know. So he goes in. He goes by this, uh, this Asian, Asian. I'm gonna put that in quotes. Asian dude who's sitting at a ta- like sitting at like one a low a low table. I think he's eating. I think so. Um, he, he walks right by him. He tells him to shush and goes up like trying to like basically. You know, like find like he can't get through the door, and like he goes in, he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, how do I get through this door?" He's like, "Well, it's locked, you know, or whatever." It's like, "I I, I need to see your boss, or there's there's no one here but me." And he realizes, "Oh God, this is the guy I'm supposed to kill." Yep. And he's like, "Don't move," you know. He points the gun at the at this at this this old Asian guy. <laughs> I'm I, I'm thinking about maybe not telling you who this is until we get to the point that uh, that you figured it out, but that might oh take a while. God. It took you forever to figure this one out. It's. Uh, uh, but anyway, so so Rebo tries to shoot him, and the dude just keeps sidestepping. And this guy's like, you know, this guy's in like looks like he's in his like fifties, you know, it could be older, we don't know. Uh, and he's si- like he keeps sidestepping the bullets like every time until and walking forward gradually until he catches Remo, twists the gun out of his hand, ejects the clip, and just pops all the bullets out with his thumb, you know. And that's when McCleary like comes in, like they're Pez. And then that's when McCleary comes in, and you find out this is actually the guy who's going to train Remo. Right. Chun. Played by... Chun. Of, I thought it was Chun. Chun. It's C-H-I-U-N. Yeah. Chin. Like, like Chin. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he's going to train Remo Williams, and he's played by you know noted Korean actor Joel Gray. <laughs> yeah. And we've come to the problematic part of you know, this you wanna, movie. You want to you you know something do. so amazingly 80s? First of all, it wasn't even considered. It was so unproblematic in the '80s. Like now, it would just be beyond the pale insane to do this. Well, I think it's kind of awesome that we're also. Can I just point this out too? That that that, I, that this is that this is coming out. That our our podcast is talking about this, and we happen to watch this movie on the week after the box office 
number Smash one. Smash of Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. Okay, I, I'm glad you said that, but I was literally mid sentence saying saying in the '80s, like this this was so unproblematic that not only was Joel Gray not excoriated oh, for yeah. his for 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 doing this, like nowadays if you did this shit, it'd be like uh uh-uh, uh, you know. But not only was he not excoriated, it's amazing, by the way, that Guy Hamilton did not direct the James Bond movie where James Bond dressed as a Japanese man and, and you only live twice, which is really hilarious. Uh, seeing Connery and da- does not, like, not even remotely looking Japanese is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So, but um, Joel Grey, uh, not only, not only, not only did, was he not excoriated, he, I believe, won or at least was nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance. Performance in this movie, uh, and uh, yeah, no, he, he was just nominated. And speaking of nominations, his makeup was nominated for an Academy Award, but it lost out to Mask. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So can I just say though that I will say it was well done. I mean, it was pretty good makeup. Eighties for eighties prosthetics. Yeah. But I mean, but by the same token, he did not awful. look Korean. He looked no. like a white guy. With Korean in quotes makeup on, and of course he spoke with broken oh, it was English. So awful, it was, which it was not so, very good. No. You know, it was not. It was very bad. It was very. You bad. know, like and it, so he he basically, um, you know, like there's some there's some serious slapstick in, in Sue's. Oh yeah, by the way, when he asked for when for, when Joel Gray first is asked, he's like, "Do you speak English?" He says, "Does a nightingale sing?" Yeah. Which is such a stupid line, but it is so perfectly. Some of Joel's, uh, some of uh, Chun's lines are just as good as is McCleary's. Oh, yeah, they're, they're they're insane. So there's some great slapstick and some serious cringe. Oh, and yeah. then and then basically we go back to the office. We get some more computer nonsense, and that's where we learn we're, we're learning about like you know like we learn a little bit more about the organization. We learn that he's going to need training, and uh, you get one of my favorite. I, was this uh, yeah this is McCre- this is McClary definitely this is the best this may be my favorite line of dialogue in the whole movie when he tells uh, Remo Williams all I can promise is terror for breakfast pressure for lunch aggravation for sleep <laughs> and then he goes on about like how like you know and like basically if you're lucky to live long enough for a pension you probably won't have it right. <laughs> you know well and then they is this when they tell them about um, how they die like if how no that's later die. in the that's movie later, but okay. uh I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's not very plot spe- plot important. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But okay. uh, so anyway, then he goes to and and there's a sizable chunk of the movie spent on this on on him getting trained. trained. Uh, you know, because this favorite... is a full on origin story where he is learning the martial art, the Korean martial art of Shinanju, which is supposedly the root of all other martial arts. Yes. And it's suitable that there's a made up Asian uses a made up martial art. I mean, right? But, I, I will say that one of my favorite lines that's said in the whole movie personally is when Chun uh is watching um Remo walk or like you know move around and he just stops and he looks at him like hey I got that and he goes you move like a pregnant yak that's a good one that's a good one um so yeah basically and Chun Chun, by the way we learn is also kind of a little racist oh yeah in his own right like like I'm not pulling the racist against white people thing because that is a systematic thing you can't really be racist against white people but he's racist against everyone who isn't Korean like he's racist against other Asians yeah he is just he's straight up like racist and a little sexist oh yes yeah like like our 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 Yoda figure our you know our Yoda excuse me everything, sorry everything truly and I'm not saying this in any with any irony at all Everything can come back to Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. And should. And, and should. Um, yeah, so uh, 
So basically, uh, we learn, but this is where we learn because Wilford Brimley is kind of like, if we're using the the, the Punisher analogy, he's yes. kind of the microchip who's watching all the stuff. Um, he's watching on the on the on like what looks like a computerized USA Today cover. <laughs> <laughs> These graphs, and he learns like the thing he like, and he gets an alert that someone is tapping into the system that he planted a bug in. So someone else is trying to hack into the thing he's hacking into, and he spies on. Kate Mulgrew, who has a different accent in everything I yes, see. Yes, she her does. In. She's got like kind of a New York thing going on in this one, and like in Orange and New Black, she what? She's Russian. She's Russian. And uh, in uh, in uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager, she's obviously from the planet Remulac and because she speaks like Primat Conehead the entire in, show. And in Cheers, <laughs> she's from Boston. Yes. So anyway, she's spying. She's actually trying to figure out this thing because this is where we start getting introduced to the idea of our heavy, which is a guy named Grove who is an arms manufacturer, who has so many people in the Pentagon in his back pocket, including General George Coe. Yes. Uh, you know, character actor George Coe. General Scott something, but, um, you know. Coe is one of those that guys that, like, I immediately can't think of a thing he's in, but, like, if you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, that guy! Yeah. <laughs> Allie's looking him up I'm right now. I'm looking him up right now. So, uh, so basically we learn a little bit about, like, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this now because it's easier to than skipping around. Basically, Grove is an arms manufacturer. He's big into like this. There's this thing called the HARP, which is obviously Star, the SDI Star Wars, going back to Star Wars, mm-hmm. missile defense system, you know, the big 80s controversy that like this super expensive satellite based anti nuclear weapon platform that like Reagan and his administration really loved. Anyway, he's behind this, like, he's behind this thing called HARP, which is this movie's version of that. And he's also making other guns for the military, including like the, I think it was the A60 or something. Yes. But whatever it is, he's making defective products for the military and like, but he he's bribing so, and has so many people on his payroll that, uh, that he's, ba- like he's, he's totally like, you know, like getting away with it. But that's breaking the 11th commandment. And so later in the movie, after Remo finishes his training, this is going to be the bad guy. We're seeding it right now. And at this point, this is when Remo learns from Chun that all the great assassinations in history, and he names quite a few, um, were um, were uh, were caused by the, the the students of Shinanju. And some of the people that like li- like he lists like Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, <laughs> yes. Robin Hood, and he's like Robin Hood. He's like he was a bandit, <laughs> which is kind of weird when you think about it. So uh, and there were several others. Uh, you know, it's kind of like. So basically, so Shinanju is basically like kind of an Assassin's Creed thing where it's like, you know, we're shaping history through our secret, like, you know, society. Um, it's also, this is also around the time we uh, learn that Chun thinks the greatest thing to happen in America is the soap opera. It's the only good thing that American culture has brought him. Oh, and this is when, when Remo's like eating rice and like, he's in Kramer versus Kramer. Okay. That's how I figured it out. Like, I'm like, that's, that's. But he's way. in a lot of things. He's in a he's lot. Also George in, Coe is. Speaking of Star Wars, he's He usually also plays a like a general in, or a corrupt businessman. Yeah, man. he's also a voice in um, your star, your your beloved Star Wars Clone Wars. Ooh, ooh who's he voice? Uh, T. Watt Ka. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I think I remember who that is, but I don't. Uh, and then he's him. also in, he also was in Transformers Dark of the Moon from that's 2011. A, okay. That's, uh, I didn't, that, that's the, that is, okay, those are video games. And those and, are video and, games. And also that was, that was a Michael Bay Transformers, so I don't care about we it. The only, the only Transformers I care about is the More Than Meets the Eye Lost Light comics and the terrible 80s uh, did movie. Did he die? That I because Archer did an unloving memory of. Oh my God, George Coe was Wood, 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 Woodhouse. That's right. He was the original Woodhouse. <gasps> no way. That's right. I, I knew I knew him for something. Yeah, he was the original Woodhouse. He was Woodhouse? Yes. 
He used an old man yes. voice, but it was what I yes, that was George. Okay, Cameron. my mind has just been balloon. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that he died. Okay, that's crazy pants. Yeah. Right. So so anyway, there's a bad gun. You see you see a gun explode in a military exercise, and Jor and and Grove forces General Co to cover it up. Yep. Um. So the training continues unabated as they go as <laughs> as he is taken to a carnival. Remo is taken to a carnival by Chun. Oh my god! Uh, he he rides oh. on a Ferris wheel, hanging off the bottom of the Ferris wheel, climbing onto it's the top. It's Coney Island. In Coney Island, it's the Coney Island Ferris wheel, whatever that's called. He does not ride that wooden roller coaster, which I can't remember the name of the Screamer or whatever it is. Yeah. He does he doesn't do that, but he does he does climb on the like da- like dangerously get on the the thing while Chun yells at him while sitting comfortably in it, and then. At one point, we encounter Carney William, William Hickey. Hickey. William Hickey's going to get... Like, I can't even do his oh voice. Oh, my God, you but, can't. But, you know, William And if you're unfamiliar yes, with William Hickey... Yes, his voice... Yeah, his voice is essentially, for most people, you're going to recognize him as Dr. Finkelstein from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, you know, if he's played a movie, lot of weird old Jewish men. Yeah, if you've seen the movie Forget Paris... He no plays, one has but you because it's a Billy, Billy Crystal movie and nobody he, likes Billy Crystal but he you. He plays Deborah Winger's father, the most annoying person on the planet. And I'm pretty sure he's he plays hilarious. an annoying person on, on Wings, too. That uh, makes as sense. As a recurring character, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, yeah, because doesn't Gilbert Godfrey play his son? Yeah, I think. Which works I think so. Bril- I, I'm like, pretty Talk sure. about a brilliant minute yeah. of casting. So anyway, he's a carny and he's it's that bot- ring toss onto the bottle game that's a 1,000% scam, you know, where yeah. the rings barely even fit over the top of the bottle. So you, like, you to throw them. And Chun just, like, throws six in rapid succession and wins a giant pink panther, yeah. which is uh, which is later featured throughout the movie in the background. And the best part is he says, he's mine. Like, he's mine. Like, yeah, he's like, he's like, Remo, I didn't win it. Like, he basically tells Remo straight up, I did not win it for you. And... Oh. I know I wanted the Pink Panther too. I know me too. Okay. I know okay. Pumpkin. I and know. and by the way, every scene with Joel Gray through the first half of the movie, through through the entire movie, every time Joel Gray shows up, he's either dressed like a grandmother or like Genghis Khan. Oh my god! And it gets weirder and weirder. And weirder like, and more fur and more draping it's shawls. It's almost like somebody is knitting for him as the movie goes on. Gazunai. Gazunai, buddy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, you know. So I will say that, that that just to just to point this out, Jordan did watch the whole movie with us. Yeah, he was very very good. So if he has any opinions, um, at at so we get to a lot like we get through the training and some of the stuff that happens in the training is so insane and ridiculous that we like when there there's a scene where he's where Remo has is running on a beach, yes, with Chun and and like Chun pushes him to run until his feet are lighter than air and he actually starts kind of floating, <laughs> like and it's you keep crazy. hearing Chun go float float float. Float. And man, dude, I'm trying to talk here. You're worse than you're worse than your mother. I'm just trying to just trying to speak, man. Come on. So, uh, so uh, Chun uh, Chun uh, and McClary take it aside, uh, and McClary says he's making good progress, eh? And he's like, oh yes, you know, faster than I ever would have expected him as a, you know, a, a, you know, as an American to be able to do this. And it, you know, he says, so you know, when when will his training be done? And he's like, fifteen years. Yeah. And McClary's like, and McClary's like, uh, but we need him faster. He's like, if I cut some corners, fourteen and a half. Yeah. So, uh, so McClary's like, we might need him a little bit earlier. Right. Than that. So uh, so basically, uh, uh, then th- there's a scene that we need to just gloss over real fast because I don't want to talk about it too long. In which yeah. Remo asks Chun about like like when he can go try to find a woman because it's been a long time since he had sex. Yeah. And then you hear Chun talking about sex and it's gross. It's really awkward, and guys. Like it's about, there's like method number and 36 and involving rubbing people. a woman's wrist. And it's, oh my. I just, I just can't. It's, it's God, so it's wrong. amazing. It's terrible. You know, and there's some other scenes. And by the way, uh, Fred Ward, to his credit, apparently like, 
it's weird I say to his credit because I actually tend to have a problem with this. But Fred Ward did all most of his own stunts in this movie. Like there's this thing where he's jumping from like surface to surface, like it's like a platforming game to get up to his bed on the loft in yeah. the apartment. You know, and then you know whenever he shows off to Chun, Chun uh, like turns off the lights and says, "Okay, now get back down." Yeah. You know, so and you hear you hear some a comedic crashing noise right after the first jump. Uh, you know, and you have uh, problems with it? Why? I have problems with it because I'm not a big fan of actors doing their own stunts for a couple of reasons. One, you're taking a job from a stuntman. Agreed. You know, or stunt person, uh, to yes. be more fair. Stunt human. A stunt <laughs> from a, a human stunt. Why are you stunting? Uh, you know, you're, ta- you're taking a job from a stunt person who, by the way, should should be getting Oscars before best and most popular movie or whatever Agreed. that category. Uh, two, uh, yeah, again, it's kind of hubris because, like, a lot of times, like, when actors do their own stunts and there is another stunt person involved... Then that stunt person is being put at risk by a partially trained person Correct. doing the stunt. I, I on the whole, I'm not a huge fan of actors doing their own stunts for that reason, yes. unless it's an obvious, like an obvious situation where they, you know, like where it's needed. Yeah. You know, you know, like I, like it's just in my mind, it's like nine times out of ten, you probably just should get a, a you know, someone who's actually trained to do that stuff, Agreed. you know, and who gets paid to do that stuff. Uh, but that's just me, you know. And uh, anyway, we we're getting to the point though where we're. we're Things are starting to heat up because uh, there is a like somehow they become aware. I can't remember what happened, but somehow they become aware of Remo Williams' existence. Yes. Due to him, oh, he interrupts something with uh, with with uh, Kate Mulgrew, like like the, the, the diamond tooth diamond dude. Tooth dude. Yeah, they, there's a diamond tooth henchman, and and he's burn thawing really hard around this point. Yes. Uh, like, but there's diamond tooth henchman who's just a total creepy looking dude. Um, like, he's. He is basically been hired to follow Kate Mulgrew by by Grove and like kind of neutralize her because she's been asking because a lot she's of been asking too many questions about this program about the Harp and he, One and about and about Harp and the Harp, uh, not Harp One. No, okay. it'll become Harp One later. Yeah. Uh, but so he like like basically uh, Remo sees her and saves her. You know, like basically interrupts him and it's kind of a jerk to him. And one point, like he grabs him and is like choking him. And then, like, a, 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 I guess a meter cop. Yeah. Like stops him and this woman's yelling at him and he's like, What? I'm just choking this guy. Yeah. It's just some friendly choking between friends. Like, it's really ridiculous because, first of all, there's no way Remo does not get arrested for this. She was pretty badass, though. Yeah, she was yelling, like, Get the hell out. I'm going to shoot you. Like, he basically is like th- threatening to shoot him. So obviously she had a gun. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think, but the, but she was dressed like in like the skirt and outfit of someone whose job yeah. is mainly to check part, you know, you know. So so basically they get away, but now Remo's face is known, and there's another training where, and this is the set piece that I yes. remembered the most from this movie. Like most people probably remember, I'm pretty sure it's on the cover. You were so excited about this. Oh, I was really excited about it. I love this sequence. I think it's really well done. The external shots were uh, the, the the distant shots were actually shot at the real Statue of Liberty, and you you know this movie was made in the mid '80s because it actually was during a time during our childhood when the statue had a scaffolding everywhere because they were trying to renovate re- renovate it for the hundredth birthday. You know, like in 1986, they were trying to get the statue completely like repaired because it you know it had been like a century it was a century old and it, like it needed to be like cleaned polished re- reinvigorated right you know so there was a scaffolding up for literally like years like two or three years in the mid 80s but and in, but anyway they built like a, a statue set with scaffolding in, in the Mexico where they shot most of this movie to do like the rest of the scenes mm-hmm. but this is a scene set like he's up like just walking in the scaffolding of the uh of with with Chun, I don't know how they got up there, but you know, whatever. 
you know, they've already done some rooftop running and things uh, earlier in the episode, but he's like way up on the statue, like balancing on the scaffolding and whatever, when some guys dressed as workmen who are, or, who are Grove's agents come up. Yeah. And Chun has already gone down and they kind of, they trap Remo out on this, like, he's like way on like by the torch, you know, like, and they trap him out, like, like out on this board that they're stomping on. And like, he ends up like hiding behind the thumb on the, on the like on the statue and they're shooting at him. Yep. You know, and you know, like, and, and he doesn't have a gun because that's actually one of the things we haven't talked about yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Got, you know, no blank, bang bang is for the other guys or something that Chun said. I can't remember what. Yeah. Or, like, but it's essentially they don't use guns. They don't use guns because they they can they can fight the guns. Yeah, yeah. Basically, guns are guns are like a weak weapon of a ter- of someone who's no who's who's who doesn't know how to fight. Right. You know, so basically, so basically, like, but Remo has to take out these three guys while up on the scaffolding. And then managed to get down. Like he, like there's this whole big fight up on the scaffolding. At one point, he's sliding. He has to jump and grab a rope and rappel down to try and catch them. Yeah. Uh, he ends up trapping them in an, in the elevator, beating the crap out of them. And he throws one off the ledge with a rope tied to him, so he ends up hanging upside down like the Joker at the end of uh, of uh, Dark Knight. Uh, he, he one of them, I'm pretty sure he straight up murders because he clubs him with his own hard helmet, That's and weird. that guy goes down and does not get back up. No. And the other guy, he slams his head into the into the, like uh, the into the steel door. trap yeah. door, you know and. So that that's like the big cool fight sequence. Um, like he brutalizes those dudes, and then he's down at the bottom. He uh, down at the bottom. He's trying to catch the the guys. He's getting shot at, you know, by other guys down below. Who you know when he comes down, and you you actually see him run across wet cement without without sinking because he's using his shinanju yeah. skills. And then the guy chasing him runs in and just sinks down and disappears. Basically I guess dies. to die. Yeah, <laughs> you in know, the wet cement. So, yeah, there's this big, brutal fight. It ends, like, Chun shows up, and he's like, you know, like, like Chun has just been, like, like Chun saves him from some, from the last guy, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he, like, takes the last guy out, just walks up and disarms him, basically. Yeah, I and, think and that's exactly You see the last guy in a crumpled heap by the wall right. after a scene, after cutting from a scene where Chun grabbed his gun. Right. You know. Right. And then you, right. That's yeah. my new word. Yeah. Right. Then we cut to some casual racism in uh, Harold Wilson's office. Where he refers to Chun as his their slant-eyed little buddy, Ugh. you know, which is pretty bad. Yep. Um, and that's when we mentioned the suicide pact. Yes. If they're ever discovered, basically, like Remo's like, what happens if we're found out? You know, and it we learn that they will that like like that Wilson carries Brimley carries a cyanide pill with him at all times. You know, and then this middle manager, this middle manager from some weird, like, small government agency will have been found having committed suicide. Yep. Uh, a headless body of McClary will be found in a wharf somewhere. And and he's like, what about me? And it's like, and, like, and basically they kind of do a throat slit gesture and mention Chun has his orders. Yeah. So that's when Remo learns that Chun will kill him. Yeah. If anything bad happens and they're like well it hasn't happened yet so let's uh, let's move on well and let's let's also just like backtrack for a second and talk about how during a lot of these other sequences that we haven't really talked about because they're not important yeah there's like, a lot of sequences a, like as a conglomeration of this is that chun and um and and uh, remo are starting to they have to live together so yeah. they're having it's, this it's, like it's the odd it's very with, much is the odd with couple. guns with, and, and chun will use a gun but only to train, train him. him like it's kind of like you know like in those pink panther movies when uh, kato would just randomly attack the pink panther like i mean yes. not, the, not the pink panther it's cluso pink yeah. panther's a jewel the name of a diamond yeah. uh you know like but kato would randomly attack cluso to like keep him on his toes yeah. it's kind of like that basically but like you just 
you know, like he would just shoot him at like random intervals. He would just pick a gun up and start shooting at it at, at Remo, like, and he'd have to dodge. Right. You know, and at one point there was a great moment where he shot at him twice and he's like, yeah, huh, huh. you know, like, and he's like, how do you know I'm out of, and then it clicks again. He's like, how do you know I was out of bullets? And he's like, you fired, you fired four, the first four yesterday. And then he shoots it again and it like ricochets off the, uh, the railing next to him. He says, I reloaded. You know, which is a great, great cheesy joke. Um, you know, it sucks that Joel like, Grey is like, like Chun as a character would be so great if you actually had a, an actual an actor, Korean yeah. actor playing this role. Agreed. You know, like it, like if it wasn't a dude in yellow face, Joel Grey does a perfectly fine acting job. It's just inappropriate. Right. And um, um I was, but, yeah. I, I was just gonna say though that I think it's important to note that their relationship is building. They they do have this like sort of not bickering but kind of bickering because like yeah. you know uh fred ward wants food and you know he's, and he's only, like sneaking sugar, sugar babies right and, right and, and things like so it's been a very interesting like dynamic between them right so that and, Ch- when, and Chun has been berating him constantly for all of his horrible western right ways he's always mean to him and so when he comes he back and he finds now he out smells about, like hamburgers when he when he figures out this or he finds out about the suicide pact and the fact that Chun would kill him i think i think deep down he never thought that that would happen right and, there, and i think there, it there actually feels like a betrayal Chun, yeah and Chun kind of is like, yes, I would. Yeah. Like Chun's not like he doesn't mince mince like words about right. it. Right. It's, it's pretty much yeah, of course I would. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, he he. I think he does say I would not like it. Right. Right. He but I would that, do but it. But I would do it. Right. You know, and like so. So anyway, like we we cut to we're coming up to my absolute like I think very favorite sequence of this movie that oh, I don't yeah. know how I had forgotten about this sequence existing because I have so much joy. Oh my God, for this, this sequence, this is the best. This is the best sequence. This is the best sequence in any movie ever. I think. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think it's pretty damn. Amazing. It opens first of all with some of the like an, the score of this movie is amazing because it cannot decide if it's going to be overblown orchestra yes. or like a Depeche Mode. It doesn't song. know what it wants to be, and it feels like it's about to turn into either one at any, any time. time. And sometimes it's kind of doing both. Uh, I kind of dig this score quite a bit, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, McClary and Remo are breaking in to Grove. Chemicals, who's signed, by the way, is I think in the same font as the movie. Yeah, it might be. Which is kind of amazing, too. But they're breaking into Grove, uh, you know, Grove's factories. Yes. To find out information about this harp project and, like, all the stuff that's going, all their shady business that's going on. And, first of all, they go to break in the electric fence, and that's when we learn, because they're like, how, like, McClary just takes a, like, a, you know, a, I think a wrench or something, and he's like smacking. Oh yeah, he's smacking the fence, and the there's sparks fence. going everywhere. And, and Rima's like, "How are you doing that?" Did Chun teach you that? Did Chun teach you that? He's like, "No, nah, like like a mine in Vietnam or something, whatever." I can't remember what exactly. Yeah. Or Korea. He because he rolls up his sleeve and he's got a wooden arm. Uh, Actually, and, that makes sense. Then maybe that's where he met Chun because we never find out how they meet him. He's in Korea. I have no idea. That, you, know, you know what? There are like there are like 150,000 destroyer novels uh, you oh, know yeah. starting in, from the 70s and going on because they were pulp novels, you right. know, they released like once a month probably. Right. You know, so anything um, is possible. It's entirely possible. There's a apparently the the whole Shinanju backstory didn't come into like the 3rd or 4th. Yeah. Before it was just a mixture of all like all the all the martial arts. And but and then the first one apparently he still used guns and there was a you know they didn't they didn't have the influ- the, the vegetarian thing going on because part of it is he has to be a vegetarian he has his diet is terrible and yeah. all that but anyway um, we they go and break in and that's when they run into one of my very favorites of all um, 80s tropes the Doberman oh my god this is maybe the peak Doberman 
this is this has got good dog acting. I will say that the, that there will not be another '80s movie that we covered that will have a better situation with a Doberman. Oh, this I, is I I, I, I guarantee I'm guaranteeing you. you that this is the best Doberman sequence we will ever cover. Yeah, there's like this this whole sequence from this is like like there's about ten minutes in a row of this movie where I was just like, this is the greatest fucking movie yeah. I've ever seen. It, it literally, like, like you would think that the Statue of Liberty you sequence think that would, be the, would be the sequence. It's not, you guys. If I mean, you, I think the Statue of Liberty sequence is more more like traditionally exciting but the sequence is so insane yeah that like like it's it's amazing because like first of all he's running in they, first of all they're good they're actually snarling they're not happy Dobermans no they are like well done. they're not doing the foley of rub, 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 snarl while it's like yeah. <laughs> you know we're not doing that trick um he so he jumps up away from the dobermans and like gets onto a fire escape yeah and he's like and he basically there's is three like dobermans, right what there's three of them there's three of yeah, them there's three of and them. he's like ba- you know so he, he basically is like you know, i like to see you climb that and this is this is the thing this is why you don't dare a doberman because there is a set the dobermans go okay turn around and run off you think they've given up and then they go to a ladder and start climbing a Two ladder of them jump up grab, grab it, it with their, their jaws, jaws and, and pull, pull it down the thing it's amazing down. it's freaking amazing and then he's Basically, like, like that, you see them like walking up and around and finding the routes until they can catch up with them. And he's like, "Oh crap!" So yeah. he has to keep going. And at one point, he's hiding from them, I think. And uh, a rat just goes right up his pant leg. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so he's got rats in his pants, and he does a rat pants jig. Yes. Just if you like, were thinking, if you were thinking this movie wouldn't have a rat pants jig, you know, a rat like, pants jig. you know, like it does, and it is glorious. And because it's an 80s movie, they're in a factory with a large fan, which is why I was like, wait, is this movie's climax happening? Yes. No, it's not. You think this is, and at this point, it's almost long enough, you know, like it'd be like, eh, this is kind of short. It's gotta be the end. This has gotta be near the end of the movie, right? No, not even close. But, um, you know, like, and then he wanders into what looks like the set of like an episode of maybe The Prisoner or something. Like, this is like maybe where number two would be sitting in a chair that moves around. It's like this crazy room with this weird high tech satellite. That, like, basically the moment he comes in, the cameras go off, and then lasers start destroying Destroy the satellite. It. And, you know, and he's, he's like, oh, got to get out of here. And then he's on the roof, and he's, like, and there's a wire across, and the Doberman's chasing him. So he goes out, and he basically walks across, like a, like a you know, like a tightrope. Tight walk, like, tightrope walks across, but quicker, because he's Remo Williams. Turns around, looks at the Doberman, and says, try that, you mother. And then keeps going. And you get, like, a, a moment where it's cut to something else, and then it cuts back, and you see the Doberman look at the rope and just start walking across. And I was like, this is the best thing These I have ever seen. These Dobermans own. And so they're on the run. The guards have been alerted because you know, there's been explosions. Alarms are going off. Babies are yawning. And, uh, oh, that's me. Uh, and he runs into McClary. And the, it's so funny because, it, like, the actual plot reason for this was yeah. such an afterthought. Because yes. McClary's like, he's like, so I blew, looks like I blew it. It's you know like it's blowing up, you know, or whatever. And uh, McClary's like, "That's okay. I got what I needed." Yeah. So basically, while the movie was going on, McClary did the competent thing, right? And uh, and then we get some serious because here comes the Doberman. We get Chekhov's wooden hand. Yep. You know, you don't put a wooden hand in the second act of your movie without without it, it. showing up and in the other same act. Wooden arm. Yeah. Because the Doberman jumps up, grabs his hand, and. Starts tugging on it, ends up pulling his whole arm, arm rig off. off. But then, instead of continuing to chase them, he's just like, like, like going after the arm. And they, they, they run away. And they, and they, and they McClary get to McClarion and, 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 and Remo run away. They find a bulldozer, which they drive through the fence, which is again, I like this is like, <clears throat> well, yeah, they crash a bulldozer yeah. through the electric fence so they can get through it. Yes. 
this movie is amazing. And, you know, like we think they're getting away and at the last second, no, McClary is shot in the back. McCleary, I keep saying McCleary, it's McCleary. Gets shot in the back, you know, and Remo has to leave him. And, but McCleary's not dead. No, he's alive. He's alive. He wakes up in a hospital bed. He's like, he's barely able to move. He's down in the bed and he's in the hands of Diamond Tooth. Yes. Who is the guy who shot him. Um, And basically we learn he's going to get, they're going to get the truth out of him. They're going to get the information out of him. He managed to pass the information to Remo to take to. Oh yeah. He hands him this like reel to reel. Like, yeah. He hands him like a a Betamax tape or something. (laughs) It's like such a, so ridiculous. But, um, so, uh, you know, basically they're like, we, you know, he knows that they're going to torture him or use truth serum or something to get all the information out of him. So when they leave him alone in his room, he slides a hidden knife out and cuts all the wires to his own life support and dies. Basically kills himself. Yeah, like, because McCleary, McCleary don't fuck around. No. You know, so, and that's when we learn, like, there's this whole thing where they look at the, the evidence and we learn, just like the real SDI program, Harp is a bullshit thing that will never work and was never intended to work, and it was just a way for arms manufacturers to make a lot of money. There you go. You know, and they, and basically they, you know, they learn that like they're like, well, you know, the worst thing is he's just going to make Harp two, and he's going to use this this sabotage as a reason that oh, this one didn't work, but we've learned from our mistakes, and then Harp three and Harp four, and it's just going to be money after money spent on this system, you know, like and while the American people are at risk because this is the eighties. Yep. You know, um, so. And Janeway, by the way, does not take shit from Grove, which is kind of awesome. Because Grove is Grove shows her the pictures of her with Remo Williams. Yeah. And says, who's this guy? Because he was spotted at this plant right before it exploded. You know, like. And she's, what like, is, and she's like, she's like, basically like, I will not answer accusations from you. You you know, like, like you are not, I will not be blackmailed by you. Go yeah. to hell, basically. And, um. And at and, that point. And at this point, this is, and now we get finally the climax of the movie, which we've still got another half hour left. My God, <laughs> my God how long is this movie? It is, it is over two hours long. Over longer than this uh, mug. Like this podcast it, is almost as long as the movie. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. well, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. Actually, no, we're, we're, we're not doing too bad. Um, so, um, so they show up to so Mount Promise. Mount which Promise. Is where this... Which I guess is supposed to be probably in Utah, but it's obviously shot in Mexico somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, like the idea is this is where they're doing like the training. Oh, we didn't talk about the oh, did you talk about the fact that the, the machine the, gun blew the machine up? Gun blew yes, up? Okay. they're doing a, they're doing another test of the new of the gun. They they they've said, Oh, we found the problem. It was some seal that was uh that was j- causing it to jam bullets to jam in the chamber and with 200 rounds a minute when one of them jams there's no you know like it's gonna you know like there's nothing to stop it from exploding with you know terrible blowback so they they they're they're taking they take so what happens is remo shows up to this thing and he's in hiding if you will yeah even though although he's wearing uh, he's wearing fatigues that have his have williams Williams on it which is which like what i admittedly not his real name because uh, he doesn't exist but you know and so she runs into him because she sees him and she's like you're not supposed to be here because you're gonna get me in trouble because they just showed her the pictures mm-hmm. and he's like and she somehow decides that for him that he's actually there to help with this yeah that he's with army though. intelligence yeah. or the cia or something and she's like do i salute you or do you salute me he's like you, you salute, salute me, me. <laughs> like he's so full of shit and the and and they're trying to get rid of her so they show up oh by the way the way remo shows up to this base is hilarious oh yeah because he literally falls off a truck Yes. Like you see a truck drive by and he just rolls out yes. <laughs> and he so, gets up and dusts himself off. So in order to like bring her 
bring to like get her contained they tell her that they're going to show her the new design for this and she and she tells says come on soldier you come with me she's like what are you waiting for come on you know and so she gets gets remo in the jeep with her and they're taking her on a tour and explaining all these things that go wrong and they walk through through this like a silo or something and like like the door closes behind like he gets through a door and it slams shut and then they turn around and the door slams shut again and they're trapped in this room that is being filled with gas and they see diamond tooth Smiling, smiling through this like safety glass window you know remo's trying to kick it and it's not working they are uh you know they are like they're they're gradually suffocating and with this gas and this is where diamond and, tooth makes his fatal flaw. right because he does not know as a master of shinanju i mean it's implied it's never said that remo has probably slowed his heart rate and breathing better he's breathing whatever. slow yeah. so he like they're like wait 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 long enough for them to be dead go in you know you know make it you know kill them make it look like an accident you right. know like what make it look like whatever yeah so they, so they, so so Diamond Tooth comes in. His name is something I can't remember what his actual name is. Uh, Stone, I think, is his name. But he he goes in, and then Remo gets up, and it's like he's, ah! wearing, a, he's wearing a gas mask. He's wearing, yeah, he's wearing a gas mask. Remo gets up, basically, you know, like is like nah, fuck, you know, fuck you, yeah. you know. Start, they have this big fight. And he he actually uh, Diamond Tooth gets the upper hand for a while, and he's beating the crap out of him. But Remo pulls, I think he pulls another nut shot probably. Yeah. But he ends up ripping the dude's gas mask off, shoving his face into the safety glass and making a big, big plus X. with the diamond, carves, yeah. carves with the diamond, a big X in there, punches a hole through his eye with his fingers and like, you know, like basically kills him with that and then throws his body and then like, and then Remo like leaps through the window and shatters it into pieces, saves, saves Captain Janeway yep. and, you know, and, and they, and himself and, you know, and they get back and you know like there's an announcement like basically uh there's this announcement like okay there's been an accident in the silo that's terrible there's been a casualty but then when it's announced it's your assistant stone or yeah. whatever and they're like his body's been found they're like uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, you done made a mistake. <laughs> you know, so they disappear and they go into the. Woods. They wander. They wander into Troop Beverly Hills. Yeah, they literally because it looks it looks so much like the the, the woods outside in Troop it Beverly does. Hills. It's so bizarre. Um, and then and then Chan just shows up and is sexist. Chun, not Chan. Chun, Chun shows up and is is really sexist. You know, and they're like, "Who is this?" He's like, "Oh, he's always like this." Yeah. You know, and uh, he's Korean, which is great. That's really. I mean, that's just a great. That's a good, yeah. good, good thing good, to say. Good, good justification. So they and they end up, they end up, they end up like sneaking they over and stealing steal a, a truck. That uh, you get a, a throwaway joke about Lee Iacocca to prove that we are in 1985. Yes. In fact, and uh, the truck immediately tunes is off a cliff because it doesn't like, have it brakes. Goes, it doesn't have brakes. They like they, they they go right off a cliff. So Remo that, like, they, grabs her and they jump and out. And Chun, you see him reach for the door handle, but then they don't, they don't see him and they go and find the truck. And they're like, no, 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 Chun! And he pulls away the wreckage, and Chun is just safely sitting in the truck, yeah. like calm as can be. And he's like, your door handles, uh, your American door handles need to be worked better. This, yeah, this one fell never, off, came off in my hand. This would never happen and in it, Korea. This would never happen in Korea. Yeah, like oh yeah, because Hyundai's are so much better built right. than any other car. Come on, um, is it Hyundai that is a Korean company? Am I don't I, know. I know one of them is. Um, so anyway, um, Chun's alive. He's fine. You know, he like he and uh, and 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 Janeway are sneaking off to like I guess to this dock that they're going to yeah. escape on with a boat. With a boat. But Remo has to go deal with the crap. Right. You know, Remo, so Remo, Remo's out in the woods and he's trying to hunt down the gen- Grove and, and, and deal and do his final thing. Because at this point, basically, he's on his own. Yeah. Like, I remember Brimley had told him, like, basically, it's like, he's like, what can we do? This guy's like, whatever. And Brimley's like, you know, we can, you, you do what you do. 
You know, basically don't get caught, but do, do what you need to do. In other words, so, so Remo's whole thing is he's going to assassinate Grove. Right. You know, uh, who's... And basically we end up with, and I love this about this movie, some great practical effects. Yes. Of, like they bomb the shit out of this yeah, forest. Yeah, it's, like, it's like... And Remo's on the run running. with all these explosions. And somehow, I don't even know how this happens, he, he's, he grabs onto a tree that is hooked to a zip line. I mean, and now, and now we have joined... The movie of Ned again. Yeah. Oh my God. He's, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a topper. Yeah. He's, he's a, a topper. topper. So Saul Gann is up on this tree, and he's hanging off this tree that's being carried by like a ski lift, yeah. like zip line up in the air. Everyone's everyone sees him. He's getting shot at. It's all this crazy nonsense. Yeah. They have like a I don't even know what kind of a gun it is that like has the belt of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was a. I think it was a. I want to say it was either a thirty or a fifty caliber machine. And gun. they're just like, like a belt fed machine gun. And they're just like shooting and, and him like, up. And he's telling and like the guy and the original guy the military guy is like he's like shoot him and Grove is giving the orders. Yeah. And Gro- and he's like shoot kill him you know and he's like sir I mean we he's he's up there he can't he's exposed we can you know and he, and and Grove like pushes this dude off the uh, jeep off the and, and takes up he's like gunning for him shooting at him eventually like Remo's dodging he ends up climbing up on top of the tree and this gun is by the way cutting all the trees around them in half while yeah. he's shooting at him climbs on top of the tree and cuts the cable so that the tree falls and base and and hits a pile of logs which then Ewok that yep. Jeep right off a ledge, yep. you know, or Swiss Family Robinson, and if you right. want to be a little, old, sure. a little older, a little old school. And uh, the general's Jeep goes off the edge, and base- everybody's dead in the Jeep. Everyone's except dead except Grove, Grove, who gets up with a pistol and he's facing Remo, and he's like, and now we have Chekhov. Chekhov's things. disarming. Yes. the two Chekhov's things now, yes. where basically he shoots it at Remo until Remo gets like dodges until he walks up, disarms him, twists him, pulls the gun out, Does pops the Pez, the Pez bullets. And uh, this is where Allie's like, wait, what? Because he just throws him into the Jeep. He's like, what? He's just going to throw him away and walk away? And then Remo picks a stick up. This and we missed, we oh, yeah, missed we something. Another Chekhov's yeah. thing. Chekhov's fingernails. There's a thing where Chun makes him hit a Korean fingerboard until his nails are as hard as rocks, you know? And um, so basically uh, he... he See, he sits rubs. and rubs his thumbnail on a, tr- on a on a branch really fast until it bursts into flame. He throws it onto the, the spilled gasoline of the Jeep, which races over and blows everybody up. There's an announcement you hear on the radio as he's going to the, get to going to meet Chun and uh, and uh, and Janeway. <laughs> I, I, I actually literally forgot to write her character's name. I don't name know though. her name. And uh, you know, but uh, Mulgrew. And uh, you hear an announcement basically that there's been an accident. And the general's like the general's jeep uh, uh, with Grove and the and, and and general whatever his name is like they've perished in, in an accident. Yeah, you know. And then like they go to the, the to this landing. There's some like some back and forth silliness. Um, Chun is away from the boat whenever suddenly the military comes. All of them. And this is this is fucking this ridiculous. Is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> this is so fucking ridiculous. I mean, and I'm going to tell you what's not ridiculous, even though it is ridiculous. The less ridiculous part of the scene is when Chun runs across the water. No, no. The ridiculous part is that before this scene, when when General Ko is mm. there and and, uh, and Grove, they tell the military guys to assassinate them if they see them. Right. That they're, that they're you know, stealing, you know, well, government. Actually, didn't they, didn't they say, didn't they say, but didn't they also say they're with our agent you yeah, know, she should not be assassinated. Right, yeah. But the other two dudes can be assassinated. I think they thought else. like she was a hostage. But 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 anyway, the point is they're out on this boat. There there's a boat on the uh, on the ledge and they like Chun runs across the water because he's cut off from them and yeah. can't can't go that way. No one shoots him. No one shoots him. Like everyone just watches amazed as he and it's like 
Like, it's kind of funny because it takes a while. Yeah. Like, it, it's very, like... And there's still time while they climb into the boat. And they climb carefully into the boat. And, and like, and, he, and they, and of course, he leaves Kate Mulgrew behind. Yeah. Because she's not, you know, she's not implicated with this. So she'll be fine. With, the, like evi- little, with like, the evidence or something like that. It's like a little speedboat. Like, it's not yeah, hard it's like, to yeah. shoot this. Yes. Like, and then they, they, they ride off with Chun standing on the front of the, the, the speedboat, just proudly, like, standing, like, like, like legs akimbo. It's so weird. And, they, and you get... ADR of them joking as they leave while the army just stands on by the edge of the lake like all these jeeps and machine gunners and, and like, nobody shoots and, them and, and, and everyone's just like oh darn it they've crossed the county line we no longer have jurisdiction or something it's so ridiculous because they don't so chase easy. them yeah. and it's a lake I don't think there's it's not like they go into a river it's a lake they can just go to the other side yeah it's so ridiculous but then <laughs> that's when we get credits so that's the end. We hear Tommy Shaw's haunting Remo's theme. The, the, the only beautiful thing that we missed in here that I think is important to note, because we talked about the fact that they had this, like, you know, sort of tumultuous, like, fighty relationship, is when he pulls him out of the um, the Jeep and they stand there, Chun makes a comment about how I'm uh, go get him, son. And, like, and Remo turns around, like, oh, yeah. And it's this, like, beautiful touching moment. And he's moment. like, I. Whatever, you suck. Like whatever, and then he says something dad, and then, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's a nice moment. It's a neat little moment, yeah. So anyway, that that That's is Remo, Remo Williams. Williams. The adventure began, mm-hmm. and unfortunately ended right away, because this movie, again, was... It, this movie was supposed to be the start of a franchise, but it only made like $15 million or something, mm. and I'm sure its budget was higher than that. Yeah. It, it got mixed reviews from critics. Uh, some people loved it. Some people hated it. Sure. Uh, you know... I can uh, see it being a cult favorite. Yeah, it, yeah definitely. And it... But it... it uh, there was a briefly, uh, you know, an attempt to do a spinoff TV pilot hmm. for uh, for the Remo Williams TV show. Let me see if I can very quickly uh, find that information because it's not. Uh, let me see. Da, 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 da. Oh my God! The film series is being adapted into a Shane Black. Oh, though that that was in 2014. That's probably been dropped. <laughs> that supposedly wrong. Shane Black was going to be directing one. Um, but yeah, there's. There was a TV show, which I can't find now, but it, it only aired the pilot in 1988. There was a TV movie, and I can't remember who played Remo Williams. It was not, none of the Edward. original cast. Yeah. None of the cast came back, but that did not go to series. And that was the, that was the last time it aired, it was, you know, I guess 30 years ago. Um, yeah, just, it was a, fa- there, 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 there's been a, off and on uh, over the years, Marvel Comics has done a comic book series, occasionally featuring the character, you know. And I, I actually, yeah, I, I think it's something that it just, it was a little long and a little silly to probably be the blockbuster that they wanted, but so yeah. So was it worth revisiting? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. yeah I, okay. I I I unabashedly had a blast with this movie. Yes, the racism, yeah. the yellow face does not hold up, and that is unfortunate. You know, that is an unfortunate byproduct of a time when Hollywood did not give a shit about uh, like people who weren't white. You know, enough to like actually like have any casting sensitivity. You know, I mean, Joel Gray does the best he can do with that role. I mean, he probably should have said, you know what, this is a little tacky. I'm not going to do it. But, but you back know, then, nobody said that. I, I, yeah, that would that that was it, there was so much of that going on. It was so common, like it, like it, like it's like Yellowface especially. Blackface was gone by the '80s, but Yellowface was not. No, you know, it was you know, it just was it was just not you know, like it's. But yeah, but but other than that, like, and it it's it's it it drags at times. It's it's way too long because they try to cram in both an origin and an adventure. Yeah, you know, which would probably work in a novel, but, but it doesn't quite work in a movie. Uh, 
But, you know, but anyway, I loved it. Like, it, the, like again, the Statue of Liberty set piece is great. The opening sequence is a lot of fun. The training sequences when they're when you're not feeling too gross about uh, the yellow face is, is good. Or the sexism. The Doberman. You know, and, and, you know, the final thing is kind of an anticlimax. But I could see, like, with a little more, like, a little longer, more involved setup. That whole riding a log through the air while getting shot at by a machine gun that's ripping the trees in half. That's some that's some good action. There's a lot of, you know, there's some really good cheesy action dialogue. Like it's definitely it's definitely worth re- revisiting and I will definitely not go another 30 years without seeing this movie. You know, like it, it is it is a lot of fun, uh, you know, and definitely like at least like at least for seeing the scenes with the Doberman and seeing the Statue of Liberty fight alone. Yeah. You know, it's like it's I would never have thought at the time, like, if you told me Fred Ward was an action hero, like, independent of my knowing Remo Williams existed, I'd have been like, oh, shut up. But I, I think he does a passable job. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. It's definitely worth revisiting. And Allie, was it worth watching? It, it was. Um, I was surprised. I, you know, it's funny. When we first started this, you kept hinting that I was going to hate it. Well, you, you know, I thought you'd be embarrassed by Joel Gray's... As I was, and, and, that, I, and, and to be honest, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was, I thought I was looking at rose-colored glasses because yeah. I hadn't seen it since I was yeah. a child. Yeah, it was way better, much more competently made than I thought it was. I, I thought it was a lot more. It's definitely budget. super cringy. It's definitely, you know, um, has those moments, and you know, you really do have to walk past that, and it's hard. Um, but as far as like the basic story goes, it wasn't. I mean, there, it definitely drags at times, but in general, yeah. it's kind of a fun yeah. movie. It has it's cheesy its ass time. lines. It's very of its time. I like, you know, I love, you know, one of my favorite things that we that happens for us in these '80s movies that we watch are like the Reginald Vell Johnson, you know, cameo moments where we're like, oh my god, we know who that is yeah. now. Like, and by the way, by the way, I don't know why Google. If you search the cast, decides that Anthony Hopkins is in this movie, yeah, he's, he's not. not. In this movie. Don't don't think don't, don't get don't, excited don't get for excited. A, like if he is, he's neither in the credits nor noticeable. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I no, think it's a, just a mistake. It's, it's a mistake, I think. And and and, and it's interesting because like I, I love that kind of stuff or like trying to figure out like I, I know that guy and then figuring out that he was the judge from from yeah. a few good men. Like little things like that just are. Yeah. Um, enjoyable and, and this to is me. probably the earliest Kate Mulgrew appearance I know. And of. I was about to say, you know, and having watched, I mean, if we had seen this movie, you know, six or seven years ago, Kate Mulgrew kind of had fallen off the, you know, yeah, I, I would have been like, holy shit, Kate Mulgrew, remember her? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I had just recently seen the Cheers episodes. Ooh, sorry, I had recently <laughs> seen the Cheers episodes where she was, uh, she she played a guest star for a few episodes, and so that was kind of, it was just, it's been exciting for me to have her sort of like the Mulgrew Renaissance. Yeah, the, yeah, really, it's been bizarre. So like, and I liked her that they let her be, you know, tough and you know, and she. Yes, yeah. she's pretty. Yes, you know, but they didn't dress her sexy. She's not a yeah, well, she's, she's not made. She's in a skirt, but that was also military right. dress for women in the eighties. There was no male gaze in this. There was male. There was there was sexism in commentary, but there was no like. Well, the movie doesn't leer over her at no, all. No, you don't have a moment where she takes her hair down. Yeah, it's you know, none of you don't that have, bullshit. Like she stays military throughout. I like she's, that. She's competent. She's in over her head, but it's not her fault not that there's her a, like she's very smart. Like she's she's a she's a very intelligent, capable major in the U.S. military yes. who is honest and trying to do a good job. Yes. who's up against something that's way way above her pay grade. Right. You know, but she's not stupid about it. She never she never like you you never see her do something where it's like well you know like well that was stupid. You, and and I definitely and he I, never he never really has to save her in like a dark alley no. or any of that crap. No, it's no, just, it's, it's, it's literally like. 
They're like both he, dying. It's and like he he is counter he's counterverting assassins who are approaching her. Yeah. He's not you know yeah. like so it's like you know she's obviously competent and capable and I like that so um you know and the Dobermans good reason to watch this movie right. in and of itself so yeah I mean I definitely I, I mean I would say it's definitely worth watching I don't know that I'm like you because I don't have the nostalgia of it like I don't necessarily need to like see it you know I don't have to you I'm, know I'm just saying it's it was a lot more batshit that I remembered yes. and I think that really like it helps like with a movie for me like I would rather a movie be batshit stupid yeah than crazy than be dull and the problem is the reason the movie can't isn't just like straight up like the greatest movie I've ever seen even though I've joked about it for a couple of scenes is yeah. the fact that it is too long and there are parts where it's like we don't need to see this you know we've cut back like 40 times to this like this to to, to Brimley and the base and Brimley unfortunately is a little low key so you don't get you don't get good crazy out of him you don't get hard target Brimley you know you get you know like this is this is this is more like if cocoon Brimley had a government job so it's funny because as I was watching this it this movie he doesn't look like him now but back there's a movie called Shattered um, with Tom Berenger and I just kept thinking to myself that Fred Ward reminds me of Tom Berenger you know they both they both well they both have kind of a fairly tough looking you know middle aged guy kind of look and if I remember correctly like I I had looked up I think if I remember correctly Fred Ward actually had like a pretty cool pre-acting life you know, oh, like, did he? I didn't see that. Yeah, like I let me let me double check. I have it. I, I think I still have it open. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's part Cherokee. He spent three years in the Air Force. He was a boxer who broke his nose three times. Makes sense. Worked as a lumberjack in Alaska, a janitor, and a short order cook. Oh my god. And uh, he basically he studied acting right after serving in the Air Force, and then moved to moved to Italy, where he dubbed Italian films into English. Wow. Uh, and he appeared in a Rossellini film film. That's amazing. You know, like like his like his first movie is apparently in Italy because that was where he was living at the time. That's pretty cool. You know, so um, I mean that's So yeah, he's a yeah, he's a he's a pretty interesting dude. He's a like he's he's charming and likable and uh you know, and I, I I wouldn't have thought he made a good action hero like on paper, but he actually was pretty exciting and unfortunately at 75, he's probably a little <laughs> too old for the Remo sequel. Yeah, a little bit, but you <laughs> So know. yeah, anyway, we are back again. Yes, Let's we see are. how long we can Woo-hoo! handle this again. We're gonna do it. We're gonna we do are, it. yeah. And once again, you have been listening to a Match Made in Space. Uh, you can find us at <laughs> matchmadeinspace.com, where I may put up the outtake of us trying to come oh up God. with a cold open for this uh, this episode at some point, or maybe we'll just go to like Allie's Instagram or something, which is probably just Allie Goodman, right? Uh, at Allie Goodman, yes. Yeah. Um, you can you can contact us by uh, by the ancient art of email uh, <laughs> through matchmadeinspace at babycrying.com or. <laughs> Also, matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at MMIS Podcast. Uh, hopefully, Twitter will not completely implode into just a giant Nazi field of crap before that. Before you can check us out. Um, if you oh, want to find, know, if you want to find too many Nazis, if you want to find John, you can find him at Hitler Puncher. So he's going to help see about punch my feeling about Nazis. Yep. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me at Ali under and Ali underscore Goodman, and that's Ali A L I. Also, and this is notable. Um, I just built us a, fa- I finally built us a Facebook page. Um, Which means Facebook is going to go out of business tomorrow. Right. So it's not published and, you know, live yet, but it should be um, within the next week or so. I'm apparently an admin on that, but you know I'm never going to update it, right? Well, you, 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 know you, will. Right? you will. No, I won't. No, yeah. I won't. So um, once that does go live, I will uh, make sure to update that on our MMIS on Twitter because that's where most of you yeah. found us anyway. Yeah. Um, and if and if and any of you next. is like uh, the manager, the owner, or high-ranking executive in some evil corporation, 
uh, sponsor us. We're, we're, we're taking money donations. Uh, just, just, uh, we'll, we'll sell your, we'll sell your defective Star Wars product. Uh, you know, your, your, your poisonous, uh, you know, like environmental thing. We don't care. We have no morals or scruples. No morals or scruples. No, we're, we'll sell anything. We, I might even, I might even agree to sell like stamps.com. <laughs> I was going to say, um, actually... Shakespeare's got to get paid, son. I know, right? Um, but I'm actually curious, because we're getting very close to our 50th uh, episode, and we have an, a very fun idea for that. Oh, but it's going to be great. It's going to be or really bad. fun. Or bad. Um, I mean, which I need is to, I need to actually get a copy of the movie, though, because it's, it's a little rare will. to find. We will. And, uh, but I'm very curious, because we haven't done this in a while. Um, for those of you who do listen to us on Twitter, tweet us um, at MMIS Podcast and tell us um, some movies that you would like us to see. Now, we may have them on the list already, but I'm just curious. See, <laughs> movies you'd like to see, hear us talk about. <laughs> Any you know, programs about you want us to watch? Any something you want us to do our stories on. Pass the because, clicker, Allie. I yeah. need to watch my program. <laughs> I'm very curious what um, you know what you know and then and then with that if you if for example we know one of our lovely listeners really is desperate for us to do Iron Eagle yeah we'll do that eventually um but but I think it's because I'm desperate for us to do Gremlins 2 the new batch but stupid movie I think but I think it's because because he really likes those kinds of movies like mm-hmm. I you know do Iron Eagle because I love those kind of actiony movies movies or I liked your commando episode or I liked your uh, whatever so if you have an episode that you really liked and yeah. this is why you want us to do X movie because it's your favorite for whatever reason I'd love to hear that um, it helps us give us a why <laughs> give us a why all right that's it I think we're good so okay. um, unless you have something else to say. Um, we, I I don't really. We appreciate all of you that have stuck stuck yeah. with us. All of and all of you who are amazed and surprised to see something pop up on their podcast uh, app because they're like, oh oh, that's right, I forgot I subscribed to this podcast yeah, right. uh, like eight million years ago. That's right. But um, yeah, um, we are yeah. We, so, well, I was gonna I was gonna I was actually going to. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was I going to? Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, it was no. something. It was something. It, it was something about. Like, oh yeah. Uh, hey. Since we're trying to come back, feel free to rate and review us wherever you get your oh, podcast. Yes, uh, I used to say on iTunes, but I think it's been Apple Podcasts for like two years now. Probably. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead and rate and review us so that someone might actually notice us. Because I tell you right now, as we are 100% motivated by two things. Ego and money. Yeah. And we're not getting any money for this, so stroke our egos. Please. And then give us money. And then give us money. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a Patreon and demand people pay, like, for, the, for that cool extra content. Maybe we'll do all the movies you really want us to do on Patreon only <gasps> shit. No, I'm not evil. That would be so I'm not mean. evil. That would be anyway, so Anyway, we yeah. should probably go. We should probably end this. All right. So thanks for listening. This has been A Match Made in Space. Signing off. Adios. <laughs> Why aren't you hitting stars?